I'll be reading two different scripture passages this morning. First from Ecclesiastes 3, 1 to 8, and then 2 Peter 1, 3 to 8. So Ecclesiastes 3, 1 to 8. For everything there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born, a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to throw away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. Now 2 Peter 1, 3 to 8. His divine power has given us everything needed for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Thus he has given us, through these things, his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may escape from the corruption that is in the world because of lust, and may become participants in the divine nature. For this very reason, you must make every effort to support your faith with goodness and goodness with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with endurance, and endurance with godliness, and godliness with mutual affection, and mutual affection with love. For if these things are yours, and are increasing among you, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I ask the Lord's blessing on the reading of his word this morning. Thank you, Wes. Time. Um, the, the title of my sermon today is Reflection and Encouragement. So reflection is a process of kind of looking backwards in time. Encouragement is looking forward in time, being encouraged. And time is a, a topic that pops up in our lives many different ways, many different expressions that it's referred to. So here, here's a few of them. Time is fleeting. Time is of the essence. Time is relative. Time heals all wounds. Some people can be ahead of their time, while others, in different ways, can be behind the times. Technology-wise, sometimes that's you know, where we fall at times. We might find ourselves in a race against time. But if we're fortunate, we might be able to accomplish a goal just in the nick of time. There are days when we might tell somebody they've caught us at a bad time. But regardless of our activity, we're hopeful to have a good time. And we're always hoping that that happens time and time again, a good time. So, I mean, time is always passing. Time never stops. As we reflect backwards, we look forward with encouragement. There's a transition from one year to the next. Wes has already referred to, you know, this new year. 
And so however long that period is, a new day, a new week, a new year, um, there's a focus on time that, that pops up many, many different ways. So this weekend, it's, it's a year. 2021 now becomes 2022, the beginning of a new year, the end, the close of another year. So closing out a year, putting it to bed, being able to look back at the past, what, what did this past year have for us? And the, the focus I want to bring is this idea of reflection, reflection on what has happened, where we've been, and what we've done. And then also looking forward to the new year, um, anticipating what might happen, and that would be where we're hoping to be encouraged, allowing God to work within our lives to how we do the next year well. So as Wes read from Ecclesiastes, the, the heading in, in my Bible says, a time for everything. Wes said, a time for every season. And so that list is a display of contrasting times of life. We have good things that happen on earth. We have bad things that happen on earth. And, and I, I, in my notes, I put good and bad in quotation marks. Because a lot of times when I recognize a good thing that happened or a bad thing that happened, it's my perspective. If it was good, it's good that happened to me. If it was bad, it's bad that happened to me. And so how was I affected? And so, it, I mean, that's our human nature. But can we look past that? Because sometimes those good things and those bad things are simply a result, a, a physical, tangible outcome that I can touch, that I can count, that I can see. And those things, I, I guess, would be things I would say would be evaluations. If, if I evaluate something, I can sometimes count, put a tangible mark to it, but I'm not sure that that's necessarily reflecting um, the idea of reflection, I think, is a challenge for us. And I don't know that we take time to reflect. And that, that's one of the biggest things that I, th I think reflection requires, is taking time to reflect. There's a lot of evaluation that is done in our world. Uh, number comparing, number crunching, based on results, mathematical analysis, and you know, with, with my background, I, I love that. That is enjoyable for me to crunch some numbers and analyze statistically good and bad. But reflection is more of what Mary did. Uh, two different times in Luke, Mary pondered things in her heart. And reflection and pondering takes into account the results, but it looks past the results as well. Um, evaluation can be impersonal, can be number-based, and it's not going to have the same depth. So it, and I will look back, 1 Samuel 16, 7. This would have been the passage where Samuel was looking over Jesse's sons and evaluating um, you know, who could be called to be the next king. And I'll read this. So 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height. This would be Jesse's sons walking in front of, of Samuel. Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. 
People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And so David, the young, unimpressive shepherd, was the one that was selected as the new king. So here's another way that I kind of look at this idea of reflection, um, a deeper view. Coaching basketball uh, for many years, there's, there were set plays that we would have as part of our offense that many times would have more than one option. If you have something that only has one option and if it gets shut down, you don't have anything else to go to. So a lot of the sets that we would have might have four to five options depending on how the defense played, how well my players anticipated and read that defensive positioning. So screens, cuts, drives, um, all all the passes. And and the goal, obviously, was to score a bucket of some type with all of that, but multiple options. And so those, those options would present themselves, and the end result is a shot hopefully would be taken. Hopefully you wouldn't turn the ball over before that, but a shot would be taken, and you either make it or you miss it. And many times that's what fans see. Well, the shot was missed. The shot was made. And if it was missed, well, that was a bad decision. If it was made, oh, that was a good decision. And those are all based on simply the results. But as a coach, one of the things that I was always, always looking for is in the middle of the set, in the middle of the play, what were my players doing in the process? And basically, if I take it to a bit of a spiritual, where were the hearts of my players as we were executing the play? And so I, I obviously wanted good things. I wanted every shot that was taken to be made. But that's that outward appearance that Samuel was being warned about, the result. If you're only looking for that outward result, um, are you looking for and focusing on the right thing? So as, as we look back and reflect at the end of the year, right now, as we look back at this past year, at the end of the week, at the end of the day, whatever that time frame is, was it a good year? Was it a good week? And what do we base that on? simply the results that I have. Because if I were to take my basketball team and see a missed shot, all of the things that led up to that shot being taken may have been exactly what my players should have been doing, but we just happened to miss the shot. And so my question for us as we look and reflect back on any time frame is where was my heart in the middle of all of those results that were happening? Through the year, through the week, through the day, whatever that may be, where was my heart? And so were, were my, was my heart attuned to God as I interacted with others and interacted with him? Many times the, the, the question is raised, well, where was God as good things and bad things happen through the years, and especially with bad things that happen. Well, where is God in that scenario? Well, I I think the more pertinent question as we reflect on anything in the past isn't necessarily where was God. God is always there. I believe God is always present, always will be. But I think the more pertinent question is, has my heart been present with God in the middle of all of that interaction. 
And I think that's where that reflection belongs. So as, as we look backward and we reflect, that's where we hopefully have been. And so moving forward, and this would be then the, the encouragement this coming year, this coming month, this coming week, tomorrow, the rest of today, how do I stay encouraged in my daily walk of faith? How can I encourage somebody else along the way? Am I open to being encouraged and challenged by others? Where does my strength come from as I live a life for Christ? And so what I really want to focus in on would be more of uh, what Wes read, the Second Peter passage. You know, the time for everything. Good things happen. Bad things happen. Time passes. But in Second Peter, I think there, there's a view of how we are asked and called to approach our lives. So here's verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. A godly life. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. And a godly life is not lived by relying on my own moral attitude and my own strength and my will. We're not that good. No, no one is. Romans 3.23 confirms this. Paul writes, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And when Jesus was called good teacher, he I mean, he challenged that. What, what does good mean? Um, but, but how do we live a good life? How do we live a godly life? And I would take a look at this verse again. And the process of living a godly life is knowing God's heart. Knowing the heart of our Savior. And so as verse 3 says this, the, we, the way we know God's heart is through our knowledge of him who calls us. So we need to know God. In Revelations 3.20, uh, Jesus is uh, talking to and calling the church at Laodicea and, and to us as well. And he says, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. And I will eat with that person and they with me. It's a call to know God. He's wanting us to know him. He wants us to be willing to listen. He's standing at the door knocking. And that vision, and I think many of you have seen the painting and the picture of Jesus standing at a door. It's a well-known picture. He's not breaking down the door. He's knocking. There's an invitation that we have to give to him. Come in. Welcome into my heart. Welcome into my life. You know, and it's a scenario where we have to realize and recognize we don't have those answers we don't have that power to live a godly life all on our own. It's an invitation for him to enter and give us that strength, give us that power. And so how does that, that happen? And, and this isn't anything new. The way to get, live that godly life is a matter of taking time. Read God's word regularly. Spend time in prayer. Spend time listening and reflecting with him. Spend time interacting with fellow believers. Sharing, encouraging, challenging. 
but reading his word. And again, spend time with God. Because it's his glory and goodness that provides that divine power. And then as we continue in with uh, that second Peter passage, verse four says, through these, and these would refer back to the glory and goodness from verse three, through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. And again, through these, through his glory and his goodness, there are promises of love for us, promises of his faithfulness to walk with us, promise of salvation for those who believe. And we're invited to experience God's goodness and divine nature. Uh, in, in Hebrews 12.10, there's a very similar expression. Hebrews 12.10 says, But God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. And it's, you know, these two verses are not saying that we become holy and we become of a divine nature. But we experience being a family with God as our head. We're gathered into his family. It's his glory, his goodness, forgiveness of our sins that allows us to be identified as heirs of that Holy Father. Galatians 4, uh, verses 4 through 5, says, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship part of that family, together in community. Now, at the very end of this refers to our evil desires. And, and our own evil desires are going to rear their ugly heads time to time. Greed, envy, um, discord. I mean, it, we, we get upset with each other. Sometimes we get upset with ourselves for getting upset with other people. I mean, it, those things rear their heads. But it's God's glory, it's God's promises, it's God's forgiveness, it's God's power that is available in leading our lives through all of those times, all of those times of good things and bad things that we may be feeling, experiencing those results. It's God's power that works through us. And then verses five through seven, and this expression, this list, um, faith, goodness, it sounds very similar to the fruit of the Spirit. And these are not things that we do all on our own power. So let me read through this again. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love relying on the power of God to help us through this is what we're called to do um, but it, notice it does say make every effort so it's not a situation where I sit back in my easy chair and I say okay God you get to do all these things for me I'm going to just watch we're participating there, there's numerous times in the Bible that we are called to seek God, to make an effort, seek to do his will. And that's what I think this would be 
referring to as well. Make every effort. Seek to follow his will and this would be some steps that are going to occur. So seeking is an active word. How many of you, and for some of you this may be going back in time, how many of you remember playing hide and seek? Okay. It's not called hide and meander around. <laughs> hide and seek. Um, you have to go seeking. You have to leave the safe base. I know, I think our MYF uh, a couple nights ago played sardines. And that's, that's a different game, similar game, <coughs> excuse me, similar game to hide and seek. But it's a process of seeking when you play those things. Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 <coughs> says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. And some other versions, that, that phrase submit to him would say acknowledge him or seek him. Submit to him, acknowledge him, seek him, and he will make your path straight. And then also Matthew 6.33, this is my favorite verse. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto him. Seeking is an active process. Seek first his kingdom. And, and also think about any relationship that you are part of or have been part of. How well do you know the other person if you put no effort into getting to know them? For those that are married, you probably sought out knowing your future spouse better. And I'm hoping we continue to do that. We continue to seek out to know our spouse better. Um, for relationships with aunts and uncles, for nieces and nephews, are you seeking to build those relationships? With brothers and sisters, coworkers, anyone you relate to, are we seeking to build a relationship with those individuals. Well, and if we're not seeking to build a relationship, those relationships falter. So if, if, if that happens with those around us, well, that's the same thing that would happen with God. If we're not seeking to have a relationship with God, probably not gonna build through that process of faith, goodness, knowledge, Self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, love. Now that's not our strength and our power that helps and guides us through all that, but, but we have to do our seeking. Be attentive to our effort to grow in Christ, but it's not our power that is doing that. It's his. We're, we're human. We fail, but the full force of growth is God working in our willing hearts to grow. And then finally, verse eight, the final goal of, of all of this, this whole process of seeking God. Verse eight says, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's, it's, it's a bit of a backward way of referring to this. We don't want to be ineffective and unproductive. And God doesn't want us to be ineffective and unproductive either. 
The reverse of that is he wants us to be effective, productive, as we relate to one another, as we relate to him. So he wishes for us to live a godly life. He wishes for us to grow in faith, to grow in goodness, in knowledge, in self-control, in that entire list, because that's where fellowship with him and with one another was designed. Think back to the very beginning of the Bible when God made the earth and the Garden of Eden was where Adam and Eve were located. A world with no sin, no shame, no pain, no troubles, no worries. But because of the fall, I mean, that's not the world we live in. West referred to we are a broken and imperfect people. We are. And we live in a world that is imperfect and broken. But salvation comes from Jesus Christ. The power to interact and to show love comes from Jesus Christ. John 16.33, Jesus says, I have told you these things, all of these things, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Again, I have overcome the world. Jesus Christ has overcome the world. And so as we reflect back on the previous year with challenges, good things, bad things, whatever those results may be, where was our heart? And as we look forward to a new year, the encouragement that we can take for this year, for this month, is right there. Jesus Christ has overcome the world. That's why we can trust him. That's why we follow him. That's why we serve him. So the, the reflection of time in the past, were we spending time with God? Was our heart intent on spending time with him? And as we anticipate into the future, am I ready and willing to spend time moving forward? So here, here's a bit of the challenge that I give us. This process of serving God. We talk about a new year. So when do we make the transition to turn over a new leaf or make a new commitment? And, and I would say it's always time. Don't wait for a new year. It's always time for serving God, faithfully trusting and following him. Every new year is good. But how about every day? How about every hour? How about every minute? You know, it says pray continuously. Well, live out our life for Jesus Christ continuously. From Ecclesiastes 3, some of what Wes read, while I plant and while I sow, I'm called to serve God. While I weep and while I laugh, I'm called to serve God. While I tear down and while I build up, I serve God. While I mourn and while I dance, I serve God. While I am silent and while I speak, boy, sometimes it's hard to be silent. We always want to be speaking our voice, our opinion. But in all of those times, I serve God. And, and here's a couple of others I would, I would add. While I work and while I play, I serve God. While I read and while I listen, I serve God. In times when I feel close to him, 
and times when I struggle to sense his presence, I still serve God. While things fall my way, you know, those good things happen, or while things seem to run amok, when those bad things happen, I'm called to serve God. 2 Peter 1.3 said, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. It's his divine power that is everything we need. It's not my power, it's his. And it's divine power. Our closing hymn that we're going to sing has an opening verse that says, God of grace and God of glory, on thy people pour thy power. That's a request. We're asking God, God of grace, God of glory, pour thy power on us. And at the very end, the last verse closes with a commitment. Serving thee whom we adore. It's a commitment together to serve God in the new year, a new week, a new day, whatever that may be. So we don't wait for a new year to turn over a new leaf, to reaffirm, recommit. It's a daily process. So let us sing together.